This is The Takeaway. I'm John Hockenberry. Thanks for listening. Thanks for following your dreams. Thanks for that. The perils of following your dreams later this hour. Another of our discussions on coming to grips with the realities and challenges of work-life balance in the 21st century. In a changing workplace, a changing economy, changing assumptions about what work means, about what constitutes a good quality of life. We've heard a lot from you this week. We've heard from a lot of women as well, a lot of women with their own ideas and struggles. We heard from a child care worker, labor economist, homeschooling mom. Many people were reacting to the provocative and some have said maddening suggestions from Facebook COO Sheryl Sandberg in her book Lean In, all about women getting ahead in management and maintaining a balance in their lives as well. Our first conversation today is with someone who feels like he's been raising his hand to say something about leaning in or leaning out and the changing values at home and in the workplace, and he feels that men aren't getting called on enough in this discussion. Michael Weinrip gave up the opportunity to be a top editor at the New York Times to anchor the household while his wife worked as the breadwinner. He continued to work as a journalist but did so from home, and the experience was rewarding. But it came with some insights about career versus children and the discovery of just how elusive this sense of balance is. Michael Weinrip writes and anchors the Boomer's blog for our partner, the New York Times. Welcome, Mike. Thank you for having me, John. You know, in reading your op-ed piece for the New York Times, it reminded me of that uh, moment when my first two kids were born and they were not crawling yet and uh, feeling like, oh, this is overwhelming having these twins. But then just having this moment of, well, you know, you can just set them down here on the mattress and, you know, pick up a book and read and they'll take a nap. And maybe this isn't so bad. And like the next day they learn to crawl. Yeah, it's um, they are a moving target. We have a set of twins, two boys, and one of my first memories is being at the playground with them, and they run in opposite directions. I don't know how they know that. It's instinctive, I guess. You know, and it is. It is does go from day to day. Sometimes you think you have it. Sometimes you think you're on top of it. You know, you write a great story or a good story, and you still can do the kids' ball game. You can coach, and it all falls into place. And then there's an emergency the next day, or a kid starts throwing up, and um, you're on the verge of falling apart. In your particular case, do you think you sacrificed advancement at the New York Times by deciding to take a decade and uh, go home? Yes, I think I did. I've had a wonderful career at the New York Times. I've been an investigative reporter. I've written for the magazine. Um, But there were things I couldn't do. And for me, that moment came. I was a deputy metro editor. This was the mid-1990s. I was working long hours. We lived in the suburbs in Long Island. I was catching the 832 or the 748, living that kind of life. And one night on a Friday night, I get home at about uh, 9 o'clock, and my wife is in bed with the three little boys and they're watching Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. And I said, that's where I want to be. And uh, shortly after that, I went back to reporting. So what do we get, what do we get wrong? It seems that in, in this debate, uh, as caricatured as it is, um, the leadership role that women take in making these decisions and, and uh, you know, expounding these theories about work-life balance Um, I mean, it seems that they have some advantages because the question of when to have children is such an urgent existential question for women. Um, Men ignore such things at their peril. And I think a lot of us later on in our careers are pretty befuddled by everything that's happened. Um, That's not to say that uh, women are clear as as day, but uh, uh, women do have some advantages in that they're more inclined to actually go over some of this territory. 
Yeah, I think men are more clueless in this world. Uh, I certainly was. I remember a moment, um, my wife, uh, who's an um, editor, uh, reporter for the Times also, we were about 10 years in, and I was a very active parent, but I wasn't anchoring the household, and there's a big difference. And I was working in my office in the back of the house, and she happened to be doing the laundry, and she started yelling about the kids, how the boys would just drop their shirts in front of the washing machine and leave them inside out. They weren't turning them right side in. And I stopped, and I thought, this is not what we're arguing about. Um, And that was really the beginning of the discussion and making a change. Do you think in the beginning of your marriage that you could have sat down ever and gone, all right, I'll take uh, 10 years of cover in the house, and then you take the next decade after that, and boom, the kids will be out of the house, and and we'll be back to uh, traveling over to Tuscany, you know? (laughs) No, no, no. Um, You make it up as you go. You don't know these things. And, And I think partly our generation, I'm a baby boomer, we're the first ones who've done this. Um, and it, some of it's a luxury. It's very, very hard. But it's about um, having had the educational opportunities, having an economy that was mostly expanding, having all kinds of uh, professional opportunities. And more opportunities can bring more challenges. Um, so we did have to figure it out as as we went. And it wasn't as simple as you know women just climbing the career ladder and taking advantage of the feminist advances or... Um, Men uh, knowing they were going to stay home or knowing they were going to do the same. It was, um, you know, we uh, made mistakes and uh, we had those arguments about the clothes being turned inside out and those little moments when the light bulb went off and we figured, no, this isn't right. How are we going to do this? So the title of your book would be Lean Out, I guess, right? (laughs) Right. Or Know When to Lean Out, perhaps. Do you think you figured out when to lean out? Yeah, I think we pretty much got it right that we were lucky, but um, we're talking about kids and we're talking about uh, jobs, but there's also partners. And during these years, uh, one of the things that sometimes gets sacrificed is time alone with your uh, wife or husband or partner. And, um, you know, it's uh, there's only so much of you to go around. Finally, you know, there's not going to be a lot of sympathy, maybe some for two, you know, middle-aged white guys who are journalists, reasonably successful, um, talking about these sorts of decisions that uh, they made about family and home when so many Americans are just trying to survive in the workforce. They have the same issues, but right. their questions are, are ones of uh, survival. What would you say to them, to folks who maybe don't, have the the sense of choice in all of this, but have to make the same choices? Well, um, I'm not sure what I have to say to them. It's harder. It's like uh, when I wrote this piece in The Times, I got uh, several um, emails from single women saying, um, you know, I wish I'd had that luxury. Um, there was no one to trade it off with. I am in awe of single women and how they do it. We live in kind of a middle-class community, and some of the people, some of the, um, I have a friend who's a police officer, and he doesn't have total control of his shift, but he's made decisions within the police department that have probably limited his career, but given him more time with his three children. So we're all doing this. We're all trying to do it. Michael Weinrip Brightson anchors the Boomer's blog for the New York Times. Michael, thanks so much. John, thanks so much for having me. I'm David Remnick, host of the New Yorker Radio Hour. 
there's nothing like finding a story you can really sink into that lets you tune out the noise and focus on what matters. In print or here on the podcast, The New Yorker brings you thoughtfulness and depth and even humor that you can't find anywhere else. So please join me every week for The New Yorker Radio Hour, wherever you listen to podcasts.